0: We are the Sacred Collective. All are respected, all are heard, all are welcomed. Join us.
1: Good to go. All right. Welcome to Revolution. Um, Jay is still in Belfast. Um, He'll be back on Tuesday, I think. But anyhow, so I'm talking. We Curtis talk last week, and I'm talking this week. Um, I was actually last week in Kansas. I hadn't seen my mom I haven't seen any of my family in eight months, which is a pretty long time. I love my family and I miss them a lot and I got to see them. My mom bought me this, this sweet, uh, these sweet threads that I'm wearing. got these fancy new shoes, these pants. I keep getting fatter and fatter, so my wardrobe keeps getting smaller and smaller, the wearable clothing. Uh, so it's nice to, to get some, some clothes uh, that are uh, nice and colorful that, that I can wear. So, anywho, um, also, when I was in Kansas, I had some thoughts, oops, some thoughts that I jotted down um, that I ended up making into this talk uh, for today. So, we're going to talk about um, something uh, that was a part of Jay's message and Revolution's message that initially really attracted me to revolution and the idea of, of accepting that you're accepted of acceptance. Um, I know in my experience and in the experience of a lot of you all that I've had personal conversations with um, in the evangelical world that a lot of us come from, that can be something uh, that is not present in in the diet that you're fed by evangelicalism. A lot of the times is, is there's a lack of, I guess verbal acknowledgement that that you're accepted, and maybe it's maybe it's said, maybe it's glossed over, maybe it's not even just the verbal side of it. Maybe it's just it feeling it and it being evident that you're accepted. Um, and so, I thought I'd kind of give a little bit of background uh, about myself and why this message was so important to a person like me, uh, coming from where I was coming from. Um, so, I I would say I used to feel uh, maybe suffocated by constant thoughts about a paternal God, a s- kind of silly term. I, I, I think I'm hilarious sometimes. I make up these little silly terms. But a silly term that I use is like a sky man, like this paternal angry God in the sky uh, watching down on us from the clouds and judging and stuff. Um, I used to feel like suffocated by those thoughts. I was obsessed, honestly, um, kind of trying to decode his, you know, he, male pronoun, his uh, attributes and his motives behind his plan, uh, you know, he had this this big, uh, this big plan in his omniscience, in his omnipotence, omnipresence, all the omnis, omni, omni, meta-omni. Um, and I was, I was obsessed about his plan because in my mind, my understanding of this God was that he was very angry. And I was scared of this angry, all-powerful Skyman. And I lived... I lived in fear a lot. In my mind, he would decide my eternal fate, uh, and there were two polar opposite uh, fates, two polar opposite consequences, eternal ones. One being bliss forever and ever and ever, and one being literal, you know, torture, like having you know dying constantly in the most horrific and painful ways. Uh, so yeah, I, li- I lived in fear. I was very scared. I felt like he was testing me, and I failed a lot. Um, I've talked about this a little bit, but especially in my early to mid-teenage years, I dealt a lot with uh, you know suicidal thoughts and tendencies and self-harm, and uh, I used to, to hurt myself quite a bit a lot. I still have scars. Some of these tattoos are actually, like I have some patches tattooed on me of of kind of some of the most extreme scars that I gave myself. Um, Just a little stick and poke patch, you know, tattoos of patches, um, just to remind myself that, you know, the scars will always be there, but we can kind of patch ourselves up and and I always use the phrasing, like build build something out of the wreckage, I guess. Um, At one point, you know, like I said, I was, I feel like I failed all the time. And at one point, probably the most brutal thing I ever did to myself was I took a, a pair of scissors, and they were like the type that you use on paper, so it wasn't just like a thin blade, it was kind of a chunky blade. And I carved the word fail into my leg very, very deeply. It's still there. Um, like, there it was, there There were chunks of my flesh that I tore out of my leg, I and I think honestly that it was, it was, I had like, I felt that I disappointed someone who I cared about in my life. I think it might've been like a teacher or a family member or something, or a uh, someone I was romantically involved with. I can't remember the specifics, but it was something like that. And I, I felt there was an impossible standard that I had to perform and meet up to. And, um, and uh, after, you know, some therapy and, uh, at first, I only I only saw, uh, I guess, Christian quote unquote uh, Christian or, or church approved counselors and therapists and things like that. But I was very lucky because they were all very understanding and very loving and very open minded. Um, but I came to realize that a part of why I hurt myself so much was feeling it was like a penance kind of thing, feeling that I needed uh, to pay, that you know, uh, almost like a blood sacrifice kind of uh, exchange. And, um, and there's a lot of other things that go into that, like the uh, endorphins and things, but I, I but in my mind, there was, there was an exchange that had to happen. There was blood that had to, had to be shed for, for me falling short. And so, yeah, I I just kind of give that story to say I was, I was in a toxic cycle. And honestly, I think that maybe this season that I had of extreme of an extreme unhealthy obsession over, in my mind, what had to be an objective, quantifiable existence, a a, um, almost uh, verifiable existence of this God. I think maybe that my season of of being so extremely entrenched in that mindset is maybe something I'm still reacting to, because I I think I've, I've swung pretty far in an opposite direction. And I think that a lot of that is probably me still reacting to the, ex- the other extreme that I was once on. But um, that's just me kind of trying to be objective. Cause I, I know I'm an intense and extreme person sometimes. And I wonder if that, that factors in to where I'm at right now. Uh, but anyway, but, but what I feel like what life experience has shown me and I'm going to use some vocabulary that I don't always use today consciously, I'm going to choose to use some vocabulary, but, but maybe what we could say is what a, what a God-granted life experience, because if, if, if God is, you know, powerful and omnipotent and things like that, um, then then any life experience, you know, is, is God-granted and, and is, depending on how you feel about an interventionist God, is, is intentional from that God. Um, but what my life experience has shown me is that, is that people... Are loving, and I always talk about this. I obsess over my understanding of um, like the body of Christ, the, the people. I'm obsessed with with the idea of Christ, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit. But um, but that's probably also reactionary too, because when I, whereas I was obsessed with this judgmental, rule based kind of an asshole of a God, I'm now lean more into the idea of, of a graceful, loving, accepting inclusive, affirming God uh, in in Christ, you know, and, and like I said, I'm using, I'm using terms I don't always use, but, uh, but yeah, but what life's experience has shown me is, is people loving me and people hurting me and me hurting people and me loving people and people making absurd choices that are sometimes negative, but sometimes absurd choices like showing love and like showing grace because grace is kind of absurd. We talk about that a lot. And, and I know Uh, caputo uh, talks about that a lot and Jay references that but um love is is pretty absurd uh in that it is illogical often and it kind of mandates a lack of logic unconditional love is particularly you know you you can't uh there's not like a a mathematical formula where it's like oh yeah that, that person deserves chance and chance time and time again but that's kind of the beauty of it and so when people show me these things and when I observe these things and I show these things to people, like I said, negative or positive, hurting people or loving people, I think that that is us building the kingdom. And I think that that there is, that we are building the kingdom and that there is a second coming. And that's what that is. That's how I have come to parse out that language in a way I can understand is that that we are building the kingdom. And in a sense, we are, if we are the body of Christ, then we are the second coming of, of Christ in, in a sense. I know that I think that people on uh, both the conservative and progressive side of Christianity could easily, you know, uh, take offense or, 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 or poke holes in that. And I, I would too, but like I said, I'm kind of using some language that I don't usually use, but yeah, I think that, that we are building the kingdom and that if we are Christ, then we are the second coming of Christ, um, which really just kind of boils down to me trying to use that language while saying, I don't think, I, personally, I just, I don't think anyone who thinks this is is uh, less intelligent or anything like that, but I just, I don't think that there's going to be a day where uh, where Jesus descends from the clouds. But I, maybe I'm wrong, who knows? Um, so, I think that, yeah, in us, the body, I think that Christ is made flesh in the body of Christ, in us, in um, us. So, yeah, Jay's message of, of acceptance and accepting that you're accepted uh, really hit home, I guess, for me, really struck a chord. That's why a lot of times, you know, I, I'm i a very emotional person. I cry a lot. But whenever Jay's up here talking about accepting that we're accepted, a lot of times like you'll see me back there just, like, tearing up and stuff because that's a really potent message for me, especially coming from a place where, and Vicki and I on the way here, we're talking about negative self-thoughts, but I, I still have those cycles of, of negative self thoughts thoughts and um, uh, I've been in danger of uh, acting on any you know, impulses or anything like that for a very long time which I'm very grateful for but I still have you know, those cycles still pop up but I, what, I guess my message today what I wanted to, to say to anyone listening right, to you all right here in front of me and to anyone listening online and the, it's something that I would say to myself back when I was going or that I wish I could have said to myself that I had heard more often back then when I was going through Um, all those dangerous cycles of behavior is you are accepted and you are accepted by by god and again i'm using terms of i won't keep saying giving that disclaimer but um but yeah I i think it's important to hear even if you don't always fully swallow it even if you don't always fully digest it i think it's important to hear a reminder that you are accepted and I think it may be now I talked about like kind of uh, reanalyzing and redefining our understandings of God. The only way that I can use words like God is by having redefined from that angry sky man that I was referencing earlier. But so yeah, I guess maybe we should, we should kind of parse out or pick apart, uh, d- define a little bit what I mean when I say accepted by God. Um, so I'm going to use some scripture here. Got this also when I was back in Kansas, a physical Bible. I've lost mine, but this is a similar one. This is an ESV. I usually prefer either new living or, or ESV, but yeah. So we're going to read from, uh, John 14. I think John 14 is kind of cool because it makes reference to the Trinity, I guess, which, you know, that that term's never used in the Bible. But, uh, if you're looking for it, it's definitely there uh, talking about God as a father, God is as, as the son, God is the the spirit, so I think let 's see how do I want to do this i I'll, I'll give my kind of definition, and then i 'll read from the scripture a little bit to kind of uh, draw some lines or, or connect some dots so God as the Father is as the parent, is you know an invisible, intangible entity um, we we do see you know visible. And and touch tangible things that arise and, and shift around us, reacting to this idea of of the parent, uh, but the parent themselves isn't, you know, isn't isn't tangible or visible. Uh, I think the father, the you know God the father, I'll, I'll just use that term father, uh, represents authority and law, uh, especially in the Old Testament. the The figurehead of, of God in the Old Testament is often distant and mysterious, um, maybe clear in in ideal but confusing and and kind of murky in application like you know there's the Ten Commandments this kind of well, at least the abridged version of the Ten Commandments is a simple kind of straightforward def- easily defined you shall not do this you shall not do that um, but then in application you know things get muddy I mean with laws we talk a lot about legislation here especially in Kurt's here but um, we have to have laws we have to have uh, rules of order i guess but then in application there's a lot of uh, of gray area a lot of murkiness but i think that god the, as the father kind of represents that and and throughout the bible everyone's always trying to grasp w- what god is what the father is. There, is there's always a wrestling back and forth and i think john 14 here uh kind of exemplifies that so it's uh just a little background it's jesus talking about how he's gonna leave them soon he's gonna die so we're gonna start with 14:1. Who is Jesus talking. The old red letters. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare, prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again, and I'll take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also, and you know the way to where I'm going. So this is talking about God the Father. And the Thomas says to him. I love Thomas. um, Lord, we do not know the way to where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you'd known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So I was grasping after understanding the Father, understanding God. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough for us. Jesus said, So, yeah, and that kind of bleeds a little bit into the son, too, t- uh, equating the father with the son. Um, I'm going to get to the son here in a second, but I want to talk about the spirit for a second. Uh, so the spirit is another intangible, invisible representation of God or a or, or person of God in evangelical language. Um, and, again, pardon my language if I say any triggering words like that. But, yeah, uh, a person of God, I guess, is the word that the church uses a lot. Um, and I remember like, the metaphor, you guys might remember this, uh, of the wind. Like We don't see the wind, we can't touch the wind, but we see what it affects. We see it around us, we see things reacting to it. So that is visible and tangible, but the, the wind itself is not. Um, I, I, think the spirit, I think the spirit as you know, the helper, or maybe uh, more abstractly, the dynamic that kind of governs our complex eternal and maybe external economy, In which we we like tally scores and we engage in transactions, and we, you know, kind of metaphysically barter and trade and settle scores and collect and pay debts. And I think that the spirit kind of can usher in a pragmatic application of the theories and the laws and the formulas that are built around our theologies and our theories about uh, God the Father. So it's it's kind of I, I think of the spirit as like this dynamic that governs the you know almost like uh I don't know like like gravity or something it's it's the dynamic governing the laws that we that we use to to do our exchanges with other people i guess it's kind of an abstract way to put it but um so yeah i, I left off here around here in John 14 I'm just going to read through a little bit more of this um about the spirit so this is all Jesus giving a nice little monologue and reacting to Thomas and and Philip a couple times but then he says um In verse 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. There he is, the Holy spirit, uh, to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So it's kind of cool. It kind of runs right into talking about the spirit there um, and explaining to the disciples who never fully understand it, never fully connect all the dots about what, what Christ is trying to tell them about the nature of God and the nature of himself and the nature of us, the nature of the Spirit. I guess that's why we're still talking about all this stuff, among other reasons. Um, and then the third person of the Trinity, again, the Christ, the Son. And this is the one that I talk about all the time. I feel like all my sermons kind of, or my talks kind of come down to talking about the body yeah, that's where I'm at. So the Son, the Christ, the visible and tangible. So this is an element of God that when the person of Yahushua, of Jesus of Nazareth, was walking around was a person, a physical, tangible person. And I think that that concept carries on into our current quote-unquote relationship with or understanding of, of the Christ in the body, in each other. Maybe not divorcing ourselves from the idea of a perfect Christ, but, but seeing that Man is human, is imperfect, and we are imperfect. But we can still be Christ to each other, and we can still learn from each other. We can, we can nourish each other. We can dress each other's wounds. We can help each other. We can see and touch each other, and we can talk to each other. We can receive grace from and show grace to the body, to Christ, in evident and practical ways that you know m- maybe are ushered in through this idea of the spirit. Um, but Christ is in, in, in this understanding, Christ is God made flesh is God as a human, the, the son of God, the child of God, the son of, and the son of man, you know, the, the word, as John says in, in the first chapter of his book, the, the word, you know, made flesh and the least of these. So this, this metaphysical transcendent force that the world is created through and the least of these, you know, back to Matthew 25 that I'm always talking about, um, the homeless person that we feed, the sick person that we visit, the, the prisoner, the felon who we go and visit in jail, the, you know, the prostitute who's, who's beaten, the the depressed person who, you know, tries to hurt themselves or, or, or overdose, um, and the person who comes to their aid. Christ is, is the community, the body composed of many members, Um, like, for example, you know, the bodies made of many members all have different roles, and so you, the hands, you could be the hands that massage me the shoulders when I'm tired and sore and aching. You could be the hands that wash me the feet with warm water when I'm, when I'm dirty and uh, filthy. Or I, this is all very, should condense this a little bit but i i the feet i could be the feet that carry you the mouth from from location to location to where the message of your words are most needed where you need to be heard and so i and i've I've given a talk before about the roles of the different members of the body and 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 how and i think you know we, we shift in our roles and and how we relate with each other but but i think that is that is christ being christ to us and us being christ to each other and others being, being Christ to us uh, in the body and our roles as the members of the body. Uh, but back, back to my point of, of being accepted, I'll say it again. You are accepted by God. You are, you are accepted by God. And if you do not regularly experience that in an absolute and unconditional way, if you don't experience that unconditional acceptance by the father, the the law around you, the judge, even the law internally inside your head that holds you to expectations and standards, if you don't experience that unconditional acceptance by the spirit, the ecosystem around you or inside of you, the, the system of exchanges and interactions, and if you don't experience that unconditional acceptance by the Christ, the Son, the body, the community around you, if you're not experiencing that unconditional, regular, evident acceptance, then I think that it's probably time to re-examine. And I'm saying this to myself as a 16-year-old is, is kind of how I'm approaching this. It's time for you to re-examine and maybe even reevaluate your understanding and, and redefine your vocabulary of God, of your God, of this construct of God, of your understanding of God. And the point of this message, at least this, you know, maybe I don't know. I, I see some pretty crazy stuff sometimes, but the point that I'm getting at is not that you need to throw away God and make yourself a new God, make yourself a, a golden calf that you can see and touch, you know. But um, but that you need to re-examine your understanding of God, because a God that doesn't show you constant acceptance, a law, a father, a uh, an economy, a spirit, a Son, a community, a body that doesn't show you constant acceptance. Not licensed to do whatever you want. Not licensed to make the stupid decisions you want. Not licensed to hurt yourself and others around you. But, but acceptance. Love. There's tough love. There's soft love. There's warm and fuzzy love. There's harsh love. But if you're not experienced, true, experiencing true, sincere, raw love and acceptance and grace then you need to re-examine your God. And if you have to step away from words like God for an indefinite amount of time, maybe permanently, you know, um, not saying to resolve to do that, but if, if that's what it takes for you to get some fresh air from a toxic atmosphere that is hurting you, that is choking you, that is suffocating you, then maybe you need to do that. Maybe you need to step away from that. Well, you do. You know what you do. You need to step away from that. And if, I think it's important, too, if it doesn't sit right with you, if your understanding of God doesn't sit right with you, if it doesn't add up, then you can make a healthy, conscious change. And that can be scary. And you can lose your community. But maybe that community's b- broken and, and, and hurting you. And maybe that community can even benefit from you cessating yourself from it and from stepping away from it. But self-care is really important. And a part of that, I think, see Rachel, I would think a, a big part of that is um, acknowledging if you are in an unhealthy, toxic situation and, and making a choice to step away. And and you know what? You're not going to get shocked by a lightning bolt for doing that, you know? God's not going to have the earth swallow you up be all pissed at you. And you know what? If he did, you know screw that guy who's going to be so mad at you for being honest with yourself and saying, you know what? This isn't adding up. This isn't making sense to me. If that sky man has the earth swallow you up right away and damns you forever and ever for questioning something that didn't sit right with you, with the heart that he gave you, that they gave you, that they created you with, then screw that. You don't need that. And you know what? I've done it and it's not going to happen. You're not going to get struck by a lightning bolt. God wrestles with us and that makes us stronger. And we wrestle with each other, and that makes us stronger. Or we get hurt, and then we walk away and say, you know what, I, I can't do this wrestling match right now. Like when we talk about interacting with people with uh, starkly, staunchly different uh, opinions and political perspectives and things like that, it's good to engage with those things. And if you have the strength and the energy and the resources to, to wrestle with those, those people, then you know, that, that can be productive. But self-care and boundaries are important. And sometimes you just got to say, I need to step away from this. I guess that's my, that's my edgy thing is if God's not adding up to you, then step away. And not like, I'm not saying that as an angry, like, punk rock man, like, screw God, dude. I'm saying your understanding is toxic. I'm not saying God's toxic. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm saying that your understanding. If it is hurting you, please, as someone who's been there, take a look at things. Yeah, if, if, I guess I'm kind of just summarizing here. If love and grace are not apparent to you, by your external influences, the voices that you hear around you in your community, by the voices in your head. Which, that's, that's the big thing, is accepting yourself and realizing maybe my understanding of myself is flawed. My understanding maybe of, of God, of my community, of, of myself, though, I think is a really important one. Maybe my understanding of myself is flawed. If I'm not accepting myself, then I need to take some inventory. I got to do that all the time you all. I, I, that's a big one for me. I have a real hard time um, accepting myself. I can logically and you know that takes maybe taking a breath and slowing down and saying okay, logically, like Jay says all the time, would I say this to someone that I love? Would I say this to a friend? Would I say this to an enemy? And if the answer is no and I'm still saying it to myself, I need to take inventory. I need to slow down and take a breath. Uh, but yeah, I guess I'll wrap this up and then we can chit chat if you all want. And this one I'm going to have to pull out. My phone for because I put part of my sermon notes on my phone, but revolution makes me feel accepted, and my my point there is not to tell everyone that they will feel accepted by revolution or that that is the most healthy um, source for these things for this body for this for this Christ or whatever, um, but for me it is, and I'm not going to hit anyone over the head with anything with with a, a, a flyer for revolution or with the bible or with anything like that i'm just saying that coming from my inherited vocabulary of christianity and my understanding of things and the the resources that i have the revolution is a way to re-examine some things and and to find grace and love and acceptance and raw real community for me and that's why that's why i'm in minnesota is i fell in love with revolution and, and yeah, I, I, I feel acceptance and I see acceptance here in this collective, uh, in this group, in the, back to this, this, I don't know why I got stuck on the Trinity with this, with this talk, but it just, for some reason, uh, I just went down a rabbit hole. But yeah, I feel acceptance from this authority, from this, you know, father, from this metaphysical atmosphere, the spirit, from this body this physical community i feel accepted i feel radically accepted here and i'm also challenged to work on myself i'm not saying a fluffy froofy like be you and and just wherever the wind takes you i am challenged here i'm held accountable here and i am accepted here and there's no conflict between those things i'm accepted and i am and i'm held accountable and I hope, that, I hope that you do, too, and I think that the people here and the people listening, I know, it's, honestly, some people listen for weird reasons. There is Some people who really disagree and adamant with, with us, but they still listen, and that's great. But I, I, I hope that everyone here and everyone hearing this does feel accepted here. And we, we do, we work towards that. At Revolution, I guess, if, if we were to have a mission statement, which is a funny term, a very Western term, It kind of sounds like it has evangelical roots also, but um, if we had a mission statement, it would probably be some uh, something around acceptance accepting that you're accepted and being embraced and if you yeah if you don't feel that warm unconditional acceptance and like i said not unconditional endorsement of of any choice you make but of acceptance of you as a as a human if you don't feel radically accepted as a human here um then please find somewhere where you do i'm not, i'm not pitching a cure-all, I'm saying that this works for me, and if it doesn't work for you, then please know that. Maybe try to figure out why it doesn't or what you want different, and go find that thing. Go find that community. But there is a wealth, I think, of support and acceptance and love and grace here at Revolution. And not in a one-way transaction coming from the microphone or the stage to you, but in it is it is an exchange. There, there's a lot of love here, and for me, it fits. It's really important. It it resonates, I guess. Um, but like, like our our pride flyers say, and Robert helped with this tagline is was um, what was it Robert? <laughs> it's it's on it's right there, but it's on the. Uh, we we can put that in the afterglow maybe but um it's like we we we're here if you need us kind of thing we don't have all the that's what it was we don't have all the answers but we're here if you need us yeah and that was that's another great example that was a collective thing with the people in this room you know we, uh, the afterglows we talk about things like this we we uh, kind of marinate in these thoughts and then um robert helped me hash out the wording of that and then Kurt and I wound up at Pride handing those flyers out. You know, we're the body. We're a flawed body. We're a broken body. We're a human body. But we're a body. Okay, the last thing I wanted to say is that I think reclaiming things, this is something we've been talking about maybe for the past year or so here at Revolution, is reclaiming things. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do with this talk, is reclaim some things. Um, The faith of my father's, the faith of my culture, the faith of those who came before me is no more valid than my faith. And that's something I need to say to myself. This, this is my Christianity. It is no less valid than the larger versions. Um, and this, I'm not, this probably sounds a little bit defensive. I don't mean it to be defensive. I mean it to be affirming. That a lot of times when I post things, um, Christian adjacent you know, on Instagram or something like that. I get attacked, and I get self-conscious. But I think it's, it's worth affirming to ourselves and to each other that our, our faith and our understanding of God and the way that we're approaching these things is no less valid than the people who give us crap. Okay? And I'm not saying that to be, like I said, I'm, I'm not intending to be defensive. I'm intending to be positive. And their faith is no less valid than ours, you know? But I think it's important to remind ourselves because we're a little ragtag group here. We're a minority in in some ways. We're all white uh, people-ish. But but yeah, what we're doing here is is no less valid of a form of faith or of Christianity or whatever, fill in the blank, than, than any other. And I'm saying that to remind myself, like I said, because I'll have conversations with more mainstream Christians like, oh, you're a progressive or oh, you're this or this or that. Yeah, I am, okay? And I get ashamed of that sometimes. I get self-conscious of that. But you know, I am. And, and that's great. I like it a lot better than any other flavor that I've had of, of anything like this. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to wrap it up there. And we'll do an afterglow. I'm going to try to say a prayer again. I think I did one last time. I'm going to try to do that again. All right. Um, God, here we are. Um, help us build this kingdom, this vision, help us affirm each other, help us love each other, help us uh, discern appropriate ways to show love to each other, help us challenge each other and ourselves, help us accept each other and ourselves, help us stay positive and, and move onward and upward, help us remind ourselves that we are constantly accepted and to hold ourselves to a standard where we, we go out of our way to make sure that we feel that affirmation. And we feel that acceptance because you're love and we experience you when we engage in love and we build a kingdom when we engage in love. And I don't know if that kingdom will ever be fully built, but help us in that practice to be proactive, to show love and, and build a better world around us. Amen. We're not for profit. So there's that. And um, we always play that message at the end of the of the podcasts. Um, and now we're going to have Afterglow. Recording, Kurt. Cool. Vitas? I kind of like
2: what you said about um, you need to step away from God for a while. Do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of reminded me of It's a silly comparison, but you know, at the beginning of the year it's all about the health trend and people go through their cleanses and dieting. It's kind of like you've been fed all this crap, right? You've been feeding yourself crap, you know, from the environment and um, you feel like you need to detox so you take a break from all that. Yeah. <laughs> That's kinda of how I feel like the comparison is. You you're taking away you're taking a break from all that crap mm-hmm. and then you're stepping away from it's not it's not that the toxicity is God himself. It's the toxicity right. of the conception, the concept of God. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're taking a step back from what you've been raised up with and what you've been told, um, detox yourself from those thoughts and pre- uh, pre- mm-hmm. preconceptions, and then rediscover a healthier God, yeah. essentially. I like that a lot, man. Yeah.
1: It's real. Yeah. It's good. detox from your misunderstandings, or Yes. Maybe, yeah. yeah. I I think there is a place where you can re-engage with those things, but it can be, you know, you need to prioritize sometimes, you know. Like I said, the worst panic attack I've ever had was going back to my parents' evangelical church. I'd like to get to a place where I can do that healthily, but sometimes you just gotta, it's like, I'm still flushing out those toxins right now. And I hope when I was talking about, like, the self-harming and things like that. I hope that I it didn't sound like I was blaming the the church or the toxic forms of Christianity. Because that's all me, a me thing, that's my baggage and stuff. I know there was a time where I blame like, oh what they tell me. This performance based that faith or whatever. But that's not that's not what I'm trying to get at. So I hope that that's maybe I should have said that more clearly, but that's not I don't blame anyone for that.
0: I feel like when I used to go to church, I I also didn't really get the sense that I would be accepted no matter who I portrayed myself as or like what I revealed to people that were there uh, in the churches that I was growing up in. But at the same time, I feel like I likely didn't give it enough of a chance to allow them to try to accept me i feel like i uh was veiled and held back parts of my life because i had the assumption that i wouldn't be accepted if i articulated those types of things Mm. and and it's nice that there is a group like this where it seems like There's a very heavy emphasis that it's okay to open up and talk about parts of your life that are less um, mainstream or, you know, one would have the connotation doesn't belong in a church setting or something like that. Uh, But yeah, I think that it very well could have been a good experience for both myself and the people at my church of my upbringing. Had I made the attempt, but it seemed like a risky endeavor to be like, "Hey, yeah, uh, you know, I started drinking, and you know, I'm 19 or something like that." Mm-hmm. It's not a topic that would seem like a healthy thing to bring up. Like, hey, I ain't breaking the law, <laughs> right. um, but it, it probably would have been helpful to have a community where I could talked about that type of thing in a group but um but yeah I did the time out thing I, I would say perhaps I'm still doing that now uh but it seems to me like a healthy move to um emphasize acceptance and In your communities and in the way that you perceive the reality in general, uh, that it's an accepting place and authenticity should be encouraged because it's not as scary as you think it's going to be when you portray an authentic self to other people or to the world at large.
2: Yeah, and I think when you portray an authentic self, you realize that you're not alone in that mm. situation, and there's others that we have quietly gone through the same thing.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's
1: tricky. Anybody else? Anybody else going through doubts? You're not going to see a lot of hands shoot up in youth group, and it's like, well... Um, are you sure about all this? Anybody else? But then people in the back of their heads, and you know, maybe you're emboldening people down the road to be like, you know what, maybe being open connecting with other people about my hidden, hidden flaws or doubts or whatever you want to call them you know, can, can be encouraging, productive, I guess. I
3: think, you know, if you think of when you were talking about the body, like- does something, Mm. the mouth does something. I'm thinking about the the mind of the Christian church in America. And I know that Jesus is the head so it's supposed to be his mind. But it's like it seems to me like generally the church in America has complex PTSD in that it is in that mind frame where it's always beating itself up. You know, it's always judging itself or judging the other people in the church or really hating its body in a sense because it's not perfect. You know, that's what we do. We have this image, this body image of what we're supposed to be and we beat ourselves up. And meet that standard and that's kind of how the church is, it's like we're just tearing ourselves apart
1: that that's sense. really good yeah
3: but I'm thinking I was listening to John Smith again last week, he was the biker that died in Australia and I mean he I believe had the mind of Christ And he spoke very firmly. He was loving, but he was saying, you know, does the evangelical church, is it even biblically based? Because Jesus was with the poor and he was standing up for the sick and he was standing up for women and prostitutes and tax collectors and, you know, a church that separates itself from the rawness and the darkness of life. I mean, Jesus went in there. That's where he was. He's among people. And when I hear John Smith, just like when I hear you, when I hear Jay, I feel like there's that counterculture. You know, the way things are isn't. It's not acceptable. It's not useful. It's not functional know if all that made sense, but I just yeah. you know, and John Smith talks about how if you the people who have spoken out and said the things that Christ said and applied them in the context of the society that they lived in, they get murdered.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> you seen that show Good Omens? No. Actually, I wrote, you guys watch shows all the time, I'm not sure about it before. Uh, it's, really it's based on a book, by Terry uh, Pratchett. And uh, but anyway, this it's about an angel and a demon um, who, like, they're both assigned to Earth with you know humanity, and they've become friends over time, and they both like really uh, appreciate all like the all the complexities of humanity and human life and stuff like that. And anyway, the, the apocalypse apocalypse is coming, and they don't want it. Neither of them wants it to come because they like being on earth with humans, I guess, in a drunk human culture and stuff. Anyways, there's a scene where um, they're watching uh, Jesus getting crucified and the demon says to the angel, well, what did this guy do wrong? And the angel says, uh, he told people to love each other and the demon goes, oh yeah, that'll get you killed real quick. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And oftentimes killed by it, the religious institution. Exactly. exactly. Or beat up by at least.
3: And a lot of times I think that's because the religious institutions are trying not to upset the political establishment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why they wanted to arrest Jesus, because he was bucking the status quo and we have to do that. In the meantime, like you and Jay said the other week, children are in cages, and it just seems like we can't even work together enough to help them.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of times there's so many, there's so much rhetoric built in, and so many kind of prefab responses when it's like, well, this doesn't seem right, right church, or you know, right. Right, uh, follow, followers of Christ? And they are like, well, and there's all these built in walls the in their logic. Should brought yeah, the print well, history. Right. Yeah. Well, what about these people over here? What about these people over here? Yeah, of course, sure, but that's dismissing what I'm asking you, or what right. we're trying to discuss right now. Right. Any
0: burning desires? I, well, I was going to say, if Christ is the least of these, as you said, then is Christ in cages? Oh yeah, for sure. I just had to quit. I wanted. <laughs> Christ is in cages. Yeah.
3: Has anyone read um, the Brothers Karamazov? Do sure. so. Everyone should read Brothers Karamazov. You maybe you have. Don't stay asking. Well. Um, he is considered the greatest novelist of all time by many because his books are so psychological. And he, um, in the Brothers Karamazov, there's uh, there's a little section, and if you just read this, that would, that would be great. It's called the Grand, the Great Inquisitor, the Grand Inquisitor, and it's just a short section, um, a story that someone's telling about you know, what if Jesus had appeared during the Inquisition in Spain. In, in his story he does and kind of how he's treated and you know the grand ex- explains why he has why he's arrested him and why he has to kill him because anyway it's but it's just mm. very interesting that I think um, too much too often that's how the church
1: is yeah Christ would not be popular in Mega Church. he probably wouldn't last he I storm out himself after five minutes or something
2: you turn the tables
1: <laughs> yeah right storm out <laughs> uh-huh. they go to the soundboard rip out all the cables <laughs> break the projector blow
3: up the near jet uh, yeah right
1: oh right <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean that just mm-hmm. the jets in the mansions the fact that people can live themselves in just.
2: A show about that though, I think it's called The Righteous Gemstones, yeah, yeah, uh, something like that, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like gems, yeah, yeah no, so on HBO, yeah, yeah. I think it's called Righteous Gemstones, but it's all about like the sort of Hawkins of the PTL, mm-hmm. TBN, kind of mega rich, um, all this kind of stuff that we see, but followers might not see. <laughs> so
3: is
2: it, is it
1: like dark comedy? It's a com it's a yeah. comedy, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I haven't seen it. I've heard a lot of really good stuff. It has a lot of actors I really like. You know. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for an afterglow, y'all. Yeah,
0: of course. Thanks for being part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, find us on social media at sacredmn. Mm-hmm. <laughs>